look deep, deep into my eyes. You are witnessing a demonstration of the awesome power of the human mind. The unlimited potential of total concentration. My mind is totally focused, able to maintain absolute and utter control. A mind such as this is a powerful force. It could even rule the world. Hey! Huh? It's, it's getting to be goddamn ridiculous. You're listening to P.T. Pop on A Mind Revolution. Leading you out of the rabbit hole. One grain of truth at a time. Rabbit hole. Hey there, everybody. This is P.T. Pop. With all four lobes of my brain securely bound behind my back. And welcome to P.T. Pop, A Mind Revolution, where I lead you out of the rabbit hole one grain of truth at a time. Thanks for downloading me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, For all 25 of my listeners, thank you for listening to me. You're all all over the world. Mostly here in the U.S., but a lot of uh, listeners in the U.K. And in a variety of other countries. I think this is a fascinating time to be alive, where we can talk to people all over the world in the blink of an eye, just from a microphone and a desk and a computer, and that's it. And there I am in your ears. Well, I hope you like what I'm doing. 25 of you do, anyway. I don't have a huge audience yet. I guess Joe Rogan is, is the hot commodity. On the download market, on the podcast market, for whatever reason. Kind of a uh, has-been comedian, has-been actor, decided to do a podcast, and now he's famous. He's a household name now. So here I am, yes, I'm podcasting to you from Cleveland, Ohio. Today is February 4th, and we have snow again in our yard. We got about a foot and a half of snow Within the last 24 hours, and I'm loving it. This is heaven on earth for me. So, I don't know. I just love snow because it's it's what I grew up with. I grew up in a small town outside of Cleveland where we, we would get two to three feet of snow at night. And you'd wake up in the morning and school would be closed. And you'd go out with your friends. You'd build a snow fort and you'd go sledding. And you had fun. You'd have like days and days off of school because there was snow in the ground. I love it. I love it. But before I dive into today's topic, I wanted to do a, a little bit of a... And now, P.T. Pops, shameless self-promotion. Yes, some shameless self-promotion from P.T. Pop himself. And... Today's show is brought to you by Skating Bear Studios. If you're tempted to cut corners when it comes to hiring a photographer to capture the most important moments in your life, think twice before hiring Uncle Bob. He may have a shiny new DSLR camera, but there's a good chance that he'll miss many of the shots that you hope to have him capture. He'll promise you the world for $50, but all you'll get is frustration. When you hire Skating Bear Studios, you're hiring a professional who knows how and when to capture those moments that will last for a lifetime. Portrait photography, fine art photography, documentaries, and stock photography. Go to 
skatingbearstudios.com. And there you have it. Some uh, shameless self-promotion. There you have it. There you go. It. Keep moving. Keep moving, sir. You're safer on the move. Yes, I'm safer on the move. So, I, I, speaking of British people, I'm reading a rather, rather grand book right now about the life of comic Peter Sellers. Yes, it's titled Mr. Strangelove, a biography of Peter Sellers. It's written by Ed Sykov. Ed Sykov is an American film scholar and author, and this is a, a page turner. This is just really fascinating. As a kid, I was a huge, well, I'm still a huge fan of Peter Sellers' work. But I discovered him as a kid, like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, when he made the Pink Panther movies. And then as I got older, I saw a movie called The Party, which I saw that in like late, late TV, like at two in the morning. It was on on Channel 8 here in Cleveland. And I thought that was a great movie. And then I saw Being There. We played the the, the part of Chauncey Gardner. I like to watch Gwen. You'd have to know that movie. So I love Peter Sellers. Pardon me, does your doggy bat? I thought you said your dog does not bat. <laughs> it's just me. I've, I could talk like Peter Sellers all day, and I just may do this whole podcast like Peter Sellers. But he was an amazing man. And in this book, it turns out, and as I've done some research on, on Mr. Sellers, it turns out that he wasn't very different than most famous people that hit the big time. Uh, he was a really tortured soul. This is a guy that had some ghosts in his closet. And uh, it's it's quite fascinating to see the interworkings, the, the mental makeup of this, what I consider a comic genius. But uh, I don't know. We get this book. It's a great book. I'll put a link to it on my on the description here. It's called Mr. Strangelove, a biography of Peter Sellers. Yes, my friends, Peter Sellers, he's a very funny man. Yes, thank you. Hello, everybody. So, today, what I'd like to talk to you about is something called food deserts. Not food desserts. Those are things like ice cream and pudding and cake. I'm talking about food deserts. Now, in previous episodes, I've illustrated or I've attempted to illustrate how we live in a fantasy world constructed by the government, Hollywood, the church, and corporate America. Being crap, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch is a former CIA spy. It doesn't get much more obvious. Just throw it in your face. Hey, I'm CIA. This is one of the greatest narcotic, legal narcotic companies in the world because alcohol is considered not narcotic. The CIA may have also had something to do with the Manson family, Charles Manson and the murders of the Tate LaBianca, the Tate LaBianca murders, you know, in, in the book that I covered about chaos, CIA and Charles Manson. I've gone over how advertising and marketing companies use psychological and psychological tricks, psychology and psychological tricks to get you addicted to their products this is not conspiracy stuff, folks. This is not conspiracy. This is fact. And when I speak of being woke, when I speak of of being woke, I'm not referring to differences between the races. I'm not talking about being woke racially or politically. I'm talking about the, the discovering of reality, something we have all been sheltered from since the day we we're born. 
we're led to believe that everything's a magical little world. It's going to be just like Hollywood. We're going to live in a, in a little bubble with pretty people all around us. We're going to find the love of our lives. Prince Charming or Prince Princess will come into our lives and we'll, we'll float off into the mountains and live happily ever after in a castle with a moat around it with dragons and unicorns. We'll live happily ever after with 2.5 kids, a golden retriever, and a BMW in their driveway. Well, none of that's real. It's all made up. If you want reality, I'm serious, if you want reality, look out your window. There's reality. Across the street from me, man's wife died a couple days ago. Nobody knows why, but she's gone. That's the reality. Right next door to me, my my next door neighbor, mother, who is like 90 years old, has Alzheimer's. And she decided to bring her mother into her house to take care of her so they didn't and didn't have to put her in a home. So thankfully she my my neighbor gets to work from home to take care of her mother and do her job, you know, from the computer and the phone in her house. That's reality. That's life. So today I want to talk about these food deserts. And and I, I just wondered, you know, I wondered why are there fast food places, fast food joints, fast food restaurants in lower income neighborhoods? I mean, have you ever noticed as you drive through what might be considered the lower income area of a neighborhood that the area is just peppered? It's completely saturated with fast food joints. Would you like fries with that? 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 Hey, would you like flies with that? Oh, oh, damn it! I know what you're thinking. Come on, man. These corporations, these people are good Joes. These are good people. They wear the white hats. They're the good guys. These people don't have, have any evil intentions. All they're trying to do is to give people who don't have a lot of money cheap and easy food to eat. After long, hard days of work, they're doing a favor by selling them cheap food that they can get quickly. Because I know what it's like to come home from work after working a long, hard day. I, I used to have a full-time job in the corporate world, and I'd come home, and I'd be driving past Wendy's, and be like, you know what? I'm just going to go in there and get a bacon cheeseburger and a Frosty and go home and watch TV. It's easy. It's quick. It's easy. It's fast. But I found, I've done some research on this, and I'm just, I don't even know where to begin on it. The fast food industry is maniacal. This is one of the most evil, insidious industries. It started in America, <laughs> believe it or not. You know, started in America, oh no. Started right here in the great old U.S. of A. We wouldn't lead you wrong. No, it's got to be good if it's American. Cheeseburger with ketchup and pickles and lettuce and a big juicy bun. Well, I found an article here in Psychology Today. It's titled, Seven Reasons We Can't Turn Down Fast Food. It may be junk food, but its tactics are far from junk science. It's post, this article was posted 
on August 8th of 2011. It's a little bit old, but it's written and reviewed by Akua Hagen. Now, in this article, it gives seven reasons why we can't turn down fast food, and those are there's sugar. <laughs> they, McDonald's, it says here, puts sugar in everything it sells. And as I've told you, these, these corporations have psychologists that work for them and dietitians and all kinds of people that work with addiction to show, to study how they can get us addicted to their products. Not just food. I mean, everything. Everything is done to fuck with your head, to, to get you addicted, to get you dependent upon it. And it says here, many recent neuroscience discoveries about food's effects on our brains and how we make decisions about eating are actually gold standard trade secrets from super chains such as McDonald's. It says here that nearly everything on McDonald's menu contains some sugar. From drinks to the ketchup to the hamburger buns and fries, McDonald's knows that most people are going to shell out an extra dollar for a soft drink because sugar is addictive. They do it because it's addictive. And it goes on to talk about experiments have shown that sugar offers the hallmarks of addiction, binging, withdrawing, and craving. And it goes on to talk about research with rats and so on and so forth. McDonald's recently added a new item, including McCafe fruit smoothies, which pack in more sugar per serving than Coca-Cola. That much sugar, McDonald's slogan is probably right. We're loving it. Now, that's just one of seven steps that they go through here. We're loving it. That's true. These, these people, are these fat cats are sit, sitting back with their feet up on their desk wearing their $10,000 suit with a with a stogie going, we got them. We got them hooked on our food. They can't, they can't say no. They can't say no, babe, Bill. Bill, get the, uh, the out fired up. We're going to the islands this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Number two reason that we can't. Turn down food, fast food, the push of convenience. They make it so convenient. Just like I said, when I'm driving, when I used to drive home from my big corporate job, I always drove past Wendy's and I always pulled in there and got a a, a bacon double cheeseburger with a with a small chocolate frosty. It was easier than going home and having to cook. Number three, the value meal taps the brain's economy. Now, it says here that the brain weighs the costs and benefits of a decision in a region called the orbitofrontal cortex. (laughs) Sorry, I ain't no doctor. The orbitofrontal cortex. Brain imaging has shown that losing money can cause your brain to experience the same pattern of activity as when you stub your toe. Losing money hurts. So McDonald's has found a way. Now, I'm just picking on McDonald's. They all do this. McDonald's manages to sidestep this problem by pricing a sandwich cheaper than the Sunday newspaper, which I don't think even people even buy newspapers anymore, which helps makes up for the pain of your $40 filet mignon the night before. It's the same concept as when they put produce at the front of a grocery store. If you buy all your produce at the front and make you feel less guilty as you buy the snacks in the middle of the store or as you're, or as you're about to exit in the impulse aisle at the, at the uh, cash register. At McDonald's, you gain the rewarding meal without the pain of losing money. 
They make the decision easy for your brain. Now, now keep in mind, I don't, I don't have the numbers on this. I'm going to have to do another research on this, but I'm sure I'm positive that McDonald's has a whole phalanx of psychologists and people that know the human brain before they even do this stuff. Number four, our brains prefer high-calorie foods. Number five, speed has addictive properties. It says drugs have a hierarchy of addictive potential based on the speed that they reach your brain. Similarly, fast food provides a quick fix for hunger. You don't even have to get out of your car to pick up a Big Mac. You place your order at the drive-thru and within two minutes you can take the first bites as you drive home. You can hardly get a pan hot enough to fry in that time. The sooner you have the burger in your hand, the sooner it can trigger the release of a cocktail of rewarding chemicals in your brain. Just as I said, I couldn't, I couldn't resist Wendy's as I drove home. Brains like branding. And basically, they're basically saying here that like the golden arches are branded into our brains, basically. Just like Pavlov's dog was able to get a dog to salivate the sound of a bell, McDonald's gets your juices flowing anytime you hear the jingle, their jingle. And for me, when I see the golden arches on the side of the road, my mouth literally salivates. It takes all of my strength not to pull into a McDonald's and get food, especially when I'm out on the road and I'm on the highway or something, and I see the golden arches, you know, high above the freeway and saying, come eat at McDonald's now, Peter. Come eat at McDonald's. Hello? I'll have a, a, a cheeseburger with no ketchup. And I'll also have a, a, a chicken sandwich uh, with no tomatoes and uh, uh, with extra mayonnaise uh, and some onion rings with no salt and shut up. <laughs> I also want a large orange soda with no ice. And the, uh, Shut up. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Did you get all that? Uh, we're like, uh, closed or something. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so, number seven, McNuggets stoke your memory. In a recent study, researchers, researchers, but I may say it like Peter Sellers, in a recent study, Researchers gave children chicken nuggets in an unmarked container or in McNugget packages. Not surprisingly, kids preferred the ones that resembled a Happy Meal. Neuroscience research has shown that a big part of the pleasure of eating stems from memories tied to the food, not taste alone. So what they're doing here, I'm not going to go into the articles. That's mostly the article, but they, they mess with your 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 need for expediency and your memories and sh- addiction to sugar, they're, they're messing with you totally, constantly to get you addicted. And I started thinking about it, and I, I used to think this way. How much are you spending in fast food? So today I did a research on McDonald's. Like today's Big Mac meal, Big Mac meal is $8.99. Let's say you get a Big Mac meal every day for lunch. For the five days a week that you work. And that's four weeks out of the month. That's 
$179.80 a month. And that's a, that's a lot of money to spend just on one meal. That's just one meal. And I read it. I found an article from Glamour. It was written by Sunny C. Gold on September 13th of 2007. And it says here, well, well, let me let me skip that for a second. So, so when I'm talking about this, this, um, how much money you're spending on fast food? One thing to consider: this is what I would do. You're spending one hundred eight hundred and eighty dollars a month for just one meal. That's just like like let's just say that's just your lunch. If you were to go into a grocery store chain, like here here in Cleveland, there's a grocery store chain called Heinen. Excuse me, a grocery store chain called Heinen's. And you can get Gerber Gourmet Boneless Skinless uh, Chicken Breast. 1.33 pounds. Average price is $9.30. That's for three really big, thick, meaty chicken breasts. Right there, I know for a fact, because this is what I used to do when I was single. I'd buy a package of these chicken breasts. I'd buy two packages. I'd buy one and freeze it, take the other and cook all three chicken breasts. And then I'd I'd slice them in half, cook them. And then I would have enough food for like six meals. Lunch and dinner or, or six dinners or, you know, two lunch and dinners over three days. And you combine that at the same store with just a loaf of Italian bread. Let's say you get you get some Italian bread at Heinen's. $1.99. So a loaf of bread and some chicken. That's like 10 or 11 bucks. You can eat that same amount of food for, for, for that same amount of money. You could eat for six days to a week as opposed to Eight ninety nine, which is just covering one meal, and the calories—the calories of a Big Mac are five. Just one Big Mac is five hundred and fifty calories. I don't even know about the fries. I would imagine the Big Mac meal. You know, when I look on their uh, fastfoodprice.com Big Mac meal, it says it varies. But see, everything with it, it's got to be about twelve hundred calories. So you're. You're almost eating your entire calorie intake in one meal. So my my whole point here is, is that as you go into different parts of the city, it's not necessarily lower income, but you see it predominantly in a lot of the lower income areas. And you see a high concentration of these fast food restaurants. And I used to live in a blue collar suburb of Cleveland known as Parma. And the census shows as of April 1st, 2021, Parma had a population of 81,146 people. And when I lived there in the late 1990s, it was known and probably still is known as a blue-collar town. When I lived there, people worked at the Chevy plant and the Ford plants before they shut them down. Republic Steel was still in business in downtown Cleveland. My next-door neighbor was just retiring from Republic Steel. These were good, hard-working, predominantly white people in my neighborhood, and they all worked in the factories. And honestly, the population of the people that you'd see on the street was mostly cigarette smoking, overweight, some morbidly obese, beer swilling, lower income, blue collar people. 
And I'm being a little bit, you know, outrageous there, but that's who who lived there. I mean, these were just not healthy people. These are people that went down to the bar at night, threw back five or six beers, you know, ate some chicken wings, went home, smoked a cigar, uh, smoked some cigarettes, did a couple shots of whiskey, went to bed and got up and went back to work at the factory. The median household income in Parma at the between 2015 to 2019 was $57,120 per capita was $29,113 and then the poverty rate was 9.1%. Now with when within one half mile of my condo when I lived in Parma there were 15 restaurants 15 and that's not all of them this is just this is just a my quadrant of the city I lived in like the the southeastern corner of this city which was several miles across I don't know how many square miles it is it's a fairly nice size suburb of Cleveland Within one half mile of my condo, there are four pizza places. I mean, do you really need four pizza places in one corner of a city? That's just one part of the city. There was an Arby's, a Taco Bell, a McDonald's, a Sonic, a Wendy's, a Dunkin' Donuts, Fuji Grill and Buffet, a Kumo Japanese Seafood Buffet. (laughs) I've been to the Kumo Japanese Seafood Buffet, and I'm sorry. That was, oh, it's some awful food. Just, Some awful, awful food. And most of the people in this in this neighborhood that I live were, were were obese, not all morbidly obese. They were really unhealthy people. And these fast food places, there'd be a line of cars out to the street and at the Wendy's and the Taco Bell. There were there was there were two more there. There was a Dairy Queen and a Rallies and a Skyline Chili when I lived there too. So there was actually more. There's almost 18, 18 to 20 restaurants when I lived there. And if you compare this to a rich area of Cleveland, there's a an area, a suburb of Cleveland called Gates Mills, Ohio. Population is a lot smaller. It's 2,189 people. Median income is $165,167 with a poverty rate of 6.2%. Now this is this is known to be a wealthy area of town. Now I'd say the median income that's that's low. I would think. And for instance, Art Modell, the former owner of the Cleveland Browns, lived in this neighborhood. There's lots of wealthy people there. But in this neighborhood, you actually have to drive at least two miles from the center of that zip code before you find a restaurant. And when you finally do find a restaurant, it's a health food restaurant. That sells Indian seafood, healthy um, street food, and soups. And you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to name name the place, but it, it's it's a nice restaurant. Is I mean to to I mean the 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 appetizers you have to when you're in a wealthy neighborhood you have to talk like thirst and hollow, but this restaurant they have. Uh, their entrees, their entrees start at $21.95 for a stir-fry. Right, a chicken roll for $27.95. Faroe Island salmon for $29.95. Oh, that's, that's a steal, lovely. Lovely, that's a steal. Stuffed cabbage for $27.95. My God. If I bought that, I would be able to gas my BMW. 
And they've got pasta like Gabby's mac and cheese, mac and cheese for twenty one dollars and ninety five cents. So this is this is a, um, a high end neighborhood, you know, and everything here says it's vegan, ve- vegetarian, gluten free. It doesn't list the calories or anything like that because most most of the people you see in this neighborhood uh, in Gates Mills they're wealthy. They're most of them are skinny and they drive in Mercedes and BMWs and Land Rovers and stuff like that. Porsches and things along those lines. And this this gets me to the main topic of, of the food deserts. Now, a food desert is what I describe living in Parma. Well, not necessarily. Parma isn't a food desert. Food deserts are really related to um, factions of the community that are really poor, um, maybe a ghetto area with minorities living in the area. And basically, in per Wikipedia, a food desert is an area that is limited access to affordable and nutritious food. In contrast with an area with higher access to supermarkets or vegetable shops with fresh foods, which is also called a food oasis, the designation considers the type and quality of food available to the population, in addition to the accessibility of food through the size and proximity of the food stores. So, for instance, in Parma, that really isn't a food desert. Uh, because there were several grocery stores within walking distance of my condo. But and in Gates Mills, you have to drive quite a way to get to 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 a grocery store. But there's lots of grocery stores and most of the restaurants nearby are healthy, healthier restaurants. But but the food oasis, or I'm sorry, a food desert is usually tend to be inhabited by low income residents with a reduced mobility. This makes them less attractive market for large supermarket chains. Food deserts lack supplies of fresh foods such as meats, fruits, and vegetables. Instead, the available foods are often processed and high in sugar and fats, which are which are known contributors to the proliferation of obesity in the U.S. And this is all from United States Department of Agriculture. And this this gets me back to my main point. You've got these major multi-billion dollar fast food corporations. That they what they do is it, there's a whole thing that I don't think I want to go into too much detail, but the, the United States government back in the nineteen seventies with President Nixon decided to go into impoverished areas to inspire minority business owners to invest in fast food franchises so they could become part of the business culture. And an article from the New Republic by Max Holleran from August 2nd of 2017 says, after Nixon created the Office of Minority Business Enterprise in 1969, Nixon stated, what we need is to get private enterprise into the ghetto. (laughs) And get the people of the ghetto into private enterprise, not only as workers, but as managers and owners. The program was allocated $65 million in the first year. They used federal money to expand franchises from the white suburbs into low-income black neighborhoods, providing an easily copied business model and tested product. Now, so, so basically, as I've said at the beginning of my show, I've talked about how the government is controlling things and the corporate world is controlling things. Now look at this. You've you've got 
lower income people who are less educated living on a lower income and they've been sequestered to these poor neighborhoods. A lot of these people that live in the poor neighborhoods can never escape. They can never get out of there. They're stuck there. They don't have a resource, good resources for fresh and healthy food. The government's come in and said, hey, build, build fast food chains everywhere in the ghetto behind the guise that is there to get the black people involved in being business and, and entrepreneurs. So if you go into some of the, the black neighborhoods, the lower-income black neighborhoods, you'll see all these fast food places. And you'll see a lot of African-American people in these neighborhoods are very heavy, very heavy, overweight people. Well, there's a reason why. See, the corporations got together with the government, and, and they don't come out and say this, but it's, it's more than apparent that, well, this is my opinion. I think racism is still there. In the government is still there in the corporate world. They just repackaged it, and and they they do these things in the corporate world. They try to make it look like it's good for everybody. Hey, everybody, are you, are you an African American business person? Well, start a French fast food franchise in your neighborhood, and you can bring quick and easy food to your um, compadres in the neighborhood. But the funny thing is, is that some of these business people, these African American business people. And I'm summarizing here, would try to go and open, expand their franchises outside of the black neighborhoods, but they weren't allowed. Like a McDonald's wouldn't let them open a McDonald's in a white neighborhood. They were only allowed to open their stores in black neighborhoods. It says here, many of the black franchise owners who operated McDonald's and Burger King restaurants complained of racial redlining by the companies, stating that they were expected to operate franchises in black neighborhoods only and were never given locations in more prosperous areas, which to me is white, or it's assumed to be white. So so you've got lower-income people, whether it's black or white, and, and I know the what I'm angling at here with this thing with the government and Nixon and everything is angled at it being racist. I don't know if it was initially or if there was a hidden agenda, but what I'm saying here is these corporations, regardless of your race, I lived in an all-white neighborhood in Parma. It was mostly white back then. And there, they were these corporations were taking advantage of the lower-educated, blue-collar people that worked in the factories to get them fat, to get them addicted to the food so they could sell their product. And they don't care about you. That's what I've said from the start. From my very first podcast, when I was in the the American Airlines terminal in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, and our flight was canceled because it was raining. This company didn't give a shit that we were sleeping on the floor and that the men's room was was flooded with piss. They didn't care. <laughs> they didn't care we couldn't sleep. They didn't care. These people do not give a shit about you. They don't care if you're dying. They don't care if your grandma's got diabetes because she's addicted to Dairy Queen and Burger King and McDonald's and Pizza Hut. They don't care. They just they just want your money. They just want your money. Hi. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese omelet and more lamb fries. I'm sorry. We stopped serving breakfast, but we are on the lunch menu now. Yeah, it's... 
And now, now McDonald's has this thing where they serve breakfast all day. Like you go in there, you can still get, you know, some of the breakfast things, but <laughs> it's like they're doing you a favor. You know, they, after years and years and years of customers bitching and complaining, they couldn't get breakfast after 1130 in the morning. They finally, well, you know what? Maybe we should put breakfast on the menu. You know, they didn't do that to make you happy. They didn't do it because it makes you happy and you were mad. They didn't do it because they got a bunch of complaints. They did it because they they had to sit down and figure out a way to make money at it. And they went, you know what? People really like their breakfast. Breakfast food could be eaten all day long. We could make a fortune off of these fat slobs in the poor neighborhoods. We just put breakfast on the menu all day. <laughs> Think about it, people. You're, you're fucked with everywhere you turn. Now, I can't speak for Great Britain or... or France or some of the other countries that listen to the 25 people around the world that listen to my podcast. But the corporatization of the world is, is prevalent. You know, uh, I could walk out my door and, and pre- uh, if I lived in Great Britain, I'd probably see the same fast food chains in Great Britain. If I lived lived in, you know, downtown London or in, in Scotland, it's probably all the same crap there that's here. The corporations have taken over and they're trying to control everything. Think about it. I mean, this whole thing is is really out of control. And this is just one, one symptom of a giant disease. See, they want you addicted. They want you addicted to their food. And if it's not food, they want you addicted to their cigarettes. They want you addicted to their booze and their beer. They want you addicted to their TV shows and their cars and their TV sets and their iPhones and their computers and their laptops and their iPads. Because addiction, it, it, it's self-explanatory. If you're addicted to something, you can't live without it. And they make tons. They make billions and trillions and trillions of dollars off of all of us who, who can't put it down. I just can't stop. I can't put it down, man. I can't. I want breakfast. Well, you can't have it. We're not serving it. Have you ever heard the expression that customer is always right? Yeah. And if you think for a second, if you think for a second that these companies give a shit about you, the customer, I got news for you, buddy. They don't care about you at all. They just care about your bank account and how much money they can get out of you. They don't care if you're happy. They don't care that your dad just died of a heart attack. Your dog just got hit by a bus. They don't give a shit. They don't care. The customer, the slogan, the customer is, over, or is always right is a slogan. It's meant to make you feel good. It's meant to make you feel like they care, but they don't. All they care about is making money for the people that own the company so they can sit around their yacht in the Caribbean somewhere, drinking hot toddies and getting laid by hookers. This is the truth. That's reality. And this is the reality of it. This is the reality. Yeah. Yeah, well, here I am, the customer. That's not our policy. You have to order something from the lunch menu. 
I don't want lunch. I want breakfast. Yeah, well, hey, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm really sorry, too. (laughs) And how do I know this? How do I know this? Because I worked in call centers for 20 years. And when I was very young and very naive, and I was in my um, early 20s, I wanted to work in customer service because I really wanted to help people. I genuinely cared about people. And I wanted to go to work for a corporation so I could talk to them on the phone and say, hey, how can I help you today? And I really meant it. And when I really tried to help them, I'd have supervisors listening to me and say, hey, that's really nice that you really want to help these people and you're trying to talk to them, trying to get to know them. Because I'd have conversations. Hey, how's it going today? And they'd say, well, it's snowing here. And I'd say, oh, really? I'm sorry to do bad. And you'd you know, I'd have this long conversation and somebody would pull me aside after I got off the phone with the customer and say, no, 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 no. You can't talk to the customer. You can't, you can't empathize. You can't do any of this stuff. You have to get on the phone as fast as you can. Quick, fast, quick, fast. It wasn't about giving customer service. It was about getting people on and off the phone as quickly as possible so the company wouldn't spend any more money on that call than they absolutely had to. That's what it was about. It had nothing to do with giving good customer service. Now, I know, I know all the robots that I work with, all the, all the mindless drones that sat alongside me that were the supervisors would say, oh, you're just being, you're just talking sour grapes. You're just talking sour crepes. What do they teach you to talk like this in some Panama City sailor want a hump hump bar? Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Well, it's not true. These companies do not give a shit about you at all. And they want you addicted to whatever product they are shoving down your pathetic throats. And that's the goddamn truth. That's the truth. If you want reality, look out your window. Look, see what you see. Open your eyes. Do you really need five pizza shops within a half mile radius of your house? Do you really need a Burger King, a Taco Bell? I mean, how many fast food establishments do we need? How many do you need in a square mile radius? You don't. You really don't need any of them. But they got them there everywhere. Why do you think they're everywhere? Because everyone's addicted and they're addicted because they want you addicted and they got you addicted. They're all drug they're all drug pushers. Within five miles of my house are three liquor stores. Why do we need three liquor stores? They all sell the same goddamn shit in a bottle. I can't begin to tell you how many beer stores there are. Not even including the grocery stores that all sell wine and beer. I mean, life is painful and they know it. And they know you all want escape from life. They make life painful to keep you addicted to things that they're selling. I know. I know. It's... Don't laugh! This ain't reality TV! It's not. It's not reality TV because reality TV is a lie as well. Now, you might say, you might say, this guy that I listen to, P.T. Pop, he's crazy. He's depressed. I had a friend tell me I'm depressed. She said, you sound depressed. When I tell her the way I look at the world. Depressed? I mean, I... I was just stunned. I was literally went numb when she told me I was depressed. That's the reality of the world we live in. The corporations run everything. They've bought and paid for every politician. 
Our government's not run by the people. It's run by the corporations, the United Corporations of America. And the corporations now rule the world. And if you don't see that, you've got your head in the sand. You've got your head up your ass. And you don't want to see it because it's hard. I'm telling you, when you're woke, quote, woke, uh, unquote, life is painful. I remember hearing stories about alcoholics. My father was an alcoholic. And I remember going to AA meetings with my father when I was a little kid. And I remember hearing men telling their stories about how they got sober. They'd give their leads at AA meetings. And I remember this one guy saying when he got sober, the world just looked horrible to him. It was horrible to live life sober because he actually got to see everything for what it was. The, the, the rose-colored glasses were off. The beer goggles were off. And he had to actually look at his wife and kids. He actually had to go to work. And he had to look at the gray skies of Ohio and face it all without booze surging through his veins. He said it was horrible. And it's the same thing when you become woke. When you, when you finally see reality, you go, oh, my God, it's all a fucking lie. I don't need a BMW. Who needs a BMW? I, I, we went to a car show before the pandemic hit. And we sent a BMW. And we sent in an Audi. We had never, I'd been in BMWs. I've got, a, I've got a relative that has always had BMWs. But everything was plastic. It was junky. It felt cheap. It didn't feel like a real luxury car. I mean, $80,000 for plastic everything. It didn't feel any different than, than the Hondas I've driven. It's all a lie. And they've got you. They've got each and every one of us by the short hairs. And now they've got you scared because of this alleged pandemic. They've got you horrified. Everyone's afraid to go outside. I don't know. The solution is this, is that you divorce yourself from all of this. You divorce yourself from the fast food and the TV shows and the NFL and the professional sports. It's all a lie. They got you distracted so you can get your money and you can buy t-shirts for your favorite football team or whatever it happens to be. It's all about your money and them controlling you and keeping you in your place. They don't want anybody upset. They don't want anybody out of line because they're going to push the corporate agenda. And there's other reasons. I'll go into that later. But then again, you know, I found you can lead a person to their brain but you can't make them think. And I I found, you know, that most people don't want to think. They want to live their life stuck, you know, with their head in the sand. Are you crazy? 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 Well, I, I wish I could make people think, and that's why I want to start this podcast. Well, you can wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which gets filled first. But uh, that that is my, my podcast today. Look at these fast food places. As you go through as you go through your neighborhood and you see all of the fast food places, and once you start looking at them and go, why, why are these here? And uh, it's, it's bad food. It's high caloric. It has no nutritional value whatsoever it's filled with salt and sugar it's destroying people's lives look at it and go wow do we really need all these places 
if you're if you're addicted to Wendy's d- double bacon cheeseburgers like I was, try to take a week away from them and just you know don't eat them. I've taken about two weeks off of Facebook, and I'm much happier. I I went on it for the first time last night just to check and see what was going on there. I posted a picture of me shoveling the driveway, shoveling the snow out of the driveway, and I was done. I I can't stand Facebook. It's I I have never been into Twitter. I have a Twitter account to promote my documentary, and I have an Instagram account to promote my do- promote my documentary. But I'm rarely on there. I'm on Instagram just to see what's on there. I don't participate in it, and I'm on Twitter about once every three weeks. It's just a, such a waste of time. So, Wine PT Pop, this is a mind revolution. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and your relatives about it. Tell everybody about it. Let everybody know that I'm here. And thanks for listening. Have a good day. You have been listening to PT Pop, a mind revolution. Leading you out of the rabbit hole, one grain of truth at a time. I'm out on the road, up on the roof, looking for something, but there's no truth that in.